WTL, where's the line? Nebraska's first and only sports betting show. Yeah. I'm your host, Andy Class, and joined by Jabron. Yes. yes, sir. Yes, sir. We're <laughs> back. Yes, and you know we got to bring that energy. We do. Uh, there's so many things going on. Yeah. Uh, even though it's not NFL, it's not college football. There's still a lot of things going on in the sporting world, and that means there's a lot of things to bet on. For sure. There's a bunch <laughs> of stuff at the book this weekend. Yes, there is. And should we start with something that's starting today? Let's do it. Thursday. Yeah. That is the U.S. Open back at the Los Angeles. Country Club. Yeah. And, you know, all the names that we've been talking about when yep. we talk golf are at the top of the list. And that's with Scotty Scheffler around plus 700, John Rom plus 1,000, yep. Kepka's up there at about a plus 1,000. For 1, sure. Oh, and there's been some developments with the PGA. I think they like expanded. Yeah. Or they uh, welcomed in a group of golfers. Or I don't know where these something. guys came from, yeah, but they, like they weren't liked and now they are <laughs> liked because people like money. Uh, yeah, I don't really know how it all shaked out, but the live golfers, yeah. they yeah. One, it, what it looked like is for the first time a live golfer took down a major yeah. and then they accepted him in, <laughs> like, in the next week. We got to now. Brooksy, <laughs> you son of Brooks, a gun. You sir, Brooksy son got of a him gun. in. Yep, yep. <laughs> uh, and there's so much speculation yeah. out there, but I do think it's good for golf. You for got sure. All the best golfers. No doubt. Without a cloud hanging over it. Or something, whatever play the it is you want to play. That's right. So, and now we are talking the U.S. Open. Yeah. Um, like I mentioned back in the Los Angeles, and uh, <laughs> I don't know. You you probably want to start with some. You sleeper sleeper picks yeah so that's not scotty scheffler who i like no scotty scheffler is definitely on top of the board andy yeah, yeah, so yeah. uh no a couple sleeper picks that i really like andy and i'm and this this is maybe not a sleeper pick or whatever just because he's been playing so well andy uh-huh. is ricky fowler is my oh, guy yeah. he's go. sitting there at a plus 4500 to take down this tournament andy and but what i really like him at he's at a plus mm-hmm. 900 at a top five and a plus 400 for a top 10. This guy, I believe right now, with the way that he's playing golf, is a lock for a top 10 spot. So I really like that plus 400 odds to put him in that top 10. He's just playing really, really, really good golf as of right now. So that is one of my sleeper picks is Ricky Fowler. Yeah, and his his putting's been getting better. And yeah, Yeah. he's been stacking up the top 10 finishes. Uh, Kind of a resurgence, I believe it started back last year. and, And he's just playing with such a, a good consistency. I always talk about Ricky Fowler. You have to. He's one of my favorites. And, and he's he's kind of a character, too. He's, yeah. He's, he's one of those guys that uh, he's easy to root for. So I... Got the bright uh, colors I like on. that one. Yep. yep. I, I like that one. Go he with fits, that guy. He fits right in with those live golfer guys. He does. He does. <laughs> he really does. He has a big... Uh, he's Like you said, he's got big personality, big bright yep. colors on. Yep. Uh, a surprise prediction that I don't know a lot of people are looking at right now, Andy, is Phil Mickelson, the lefty. There we go. Uh, a USA title kind of remains elusive to Mickelson, mm-hmm. and the soon-to-be mm-hmm. 53-year-old has a chance to compete for the career Grand Slam this weekend in his home state. We're only 25 months removed from Mickelson becoming the oldest major champion in golf history. Mm-hmm. I just think he, if he's going to make a run to get this Grand Slam, it would be 
right now. So, uh, you yeah. know, he, I think it's it's one of those ones that you throw a couple dollars on it, Andy, because he's sitting all the way at a plus 25,000 to take wow. down this tournament. So wow. it's, a, it's a really long shot, but uh, you might want to look at odds for him to miss make cut because I believe he's comfortably going to make this yeah. cut, Andy. So that would be my bet if you're going to go after Phil a little bit. You're just all over these live guys. Yeah. Phil's kind of at the, the headliner list. <laughs> and when I was saying Scotty had a plus 700, that's just a top 10. A top fifteen finish, yeah, uh, and John Rom. So obviously, I like I like looking at those. No doubt. Um, you always talk about Rory, and he's yeah. at a plus twelve hundred for just a top fifteen finish. But man, he, he's been saying a lot. He's not backing down, yeah. and he hasn't had the finishes that you know we were kind of thinking he might have yeah. the last couple of tournaments. Yeah, no, and Rory. He's he's he, it feels like he's just seeking history, but he mm-hmm. can't quite. You know, break break out. You know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, he started yeah. out so so well. You know, on fire and everything. It just seems that he's he can't get off this extended major championship run. Right. He can't get back on it. Mm-hmm. You know, he he has managed seventeen top ten finishes. Uh, you know, in in with top eight in four of his last five majors. It's yeah. it's crazy how close he is to breaking that mold. It yeah. just he can't. You can't break through, so yeah. it wouldn't surprise me with Rory. But if he gets down early, it's really tough for him to change his mindset. He's one of those, one of those guys that really gets down on yeah. himself, kind of like a Justin Thomas. If it's going good, it's going great. Yeah, you know. But if it's going the other way, maybe not so much. For sure. Uh, who else are you looking at? Yeah, I mean, like you said, Andy. Scotty Scheffler, he's at six to one odds to take down this whole tournament. I can't help myself. His ball striking is historically good right now. He's just the safe play, Andy. Yeah. Just the safe yeah. play. He'll be patient until the very end. He doesn't try to get mm-hmm. crazy with stuff. He's mm-hmm. just out there to have fun and try and do his best. If he puts at all, I mean at all, we're going to be talking about a two-time major champion. Yeah. This guy is the man. Scotty Scheffler possibly running the table on one of the great modern seasons. In PGA Tour yeah. history this coming Sunday. I, I, yeah. I really think he's going to take down the tournament. I'm not arguing anything with Scotty Scheffler. No, yeah. no way, not me. Uh, what about your long shot? Yeah, long shot, Andy. And I don't know if a lot of people are going to like this, but I like my man, Max Homa. I was waiting for you to say Max. I knew it. I knew it. Here we uh, go. You know, he's an LA native. That's yeah. where the golf tournament is. He's he's all the way down the list here at uh where is he? Where is he? Oh, plus thirty five hundred, yeah. plus yep. six fifty for a top ten, <laughs> plus uh in, for a top five plus three hundred for a yeah. top ten, so I, I really just like Max. I, I he's one of my favorite golfers to watch. So if I'm going to throw, you know, you know some, you know some money on somebody that I like, it's going to be Max just because he's in his home state there, and I believe he's he he has a really good chance of taking down this tournament. Well, and let me give you some ammunition here. Yeah. Why so many people are doing some write ups here on Max? Yeah. Well, first off, he's the number seventh ranked golfer in the world. In the world. So, so right there, I, I like Boom. that. Uh, another reason, he grew up 20 miles away from the L.A. Country Club. Yep. So it's basically his home course. On top of that, he actually owns the course record that he set <laughs> yeah. when he was playing his college ball for California wow. back in 2013. He shot a 9-under 61, and that yeah. remains to be the best round ever shot at the Los Angeles Country Club. So, yes, you're taking quite the risk, but you're also taking a calculated risk there uh, with Max Homa and this being his home course and a course that he plays phenomenal at he has before so he's going to have that confidence that swag yeah it's just that i mean he's just 
so he, far down the list when you're looking at the odds. Right, and, and, and we have to throw this nugget out here. Not since Webb Simpson in uh, 2012 has a player gone on to win a major without a prior top 10 finish, and mm-hmm. Max is outside on that. So yeah. as Max has flashed some form and it has a really nice history at this golf club, yeah. it th- there's a reason the odds are where it is for him. I'm just saying it's a good shot, yeah. uh, and, and he plays really well here. Should we talk some hits and misses from last week? Let's do it. We got to. I'll start with one of my misses. Yeah. Um, but I wasn't too tore up about it, and that was Texas. Yeah. Uh, I really thought they could go out there um, and, and beat Stanford. They did one game, and yeah. they had them on the ropes in another game. Comeback fashion, how they did win. Yeah. Um, and you saw a stellar performance from that Matthews kid throwing 156 pitches. Woo! How crazy was that? Yeah. And then for it to, in the bottom of the ninth inning, for them to just lose a lazy pop-up for the third out. Wow. And just fall between two outfielders and and a shortstop running out there. What a way to not go to the College World Series. That was unbelievable. It should have went to extra innings at least and, you know, let the chips fall where it may. Yeah. Being a Nebraska fan, it's like, do I really feel bad, though? Yeah, no. I, I just feel bad because we picked them and they <laughs> yeah. didn't win, but they were definitely in position to win. Uh, yeah, I had Texas, too, but... On the flip side of that coin, Andy, I mm. believe we picked the College World Series pretty dang yes, we good. Did. We both yeah. picked Florida, which is in the Omaha this coming weekend. We both picked LSU this coming weekend, yeah. and we and we uh, took a long shot with Oral Roberts, which really made it into the tournament as well. And I was all over TCU. Boom, the Horn Frogs. They're back in Omaha. Yes, so, sir. Uh, I, I didn't get completely on board with you <clears throat> with Oral Roberts, yeah. but you were all over the Golden Eagles. You, yeah. you really like what they did. Uh, and our next guest comes up, he was high yeah. on the Golden Eagles, and we're going to talk to um, Vinicaro, Lou Vinicaro, coming go. up here in the next couple segments here. Uh, he's a native of Omaha. He's yeah. been a professional gambler for a number of years, based out of Las Vegas. Kind of lucked out getting a hold of this guy. Yeah, for sure. And I'll tell you what, this guy knows his UFC, and that's yeah. where my misses are, Andy. <laughs> it was a rough week for me in UFC. I thought yeah. Benelli Delarouche was going to take care of Charles Oliveira. Oliveira yeah. flashes form from a couple years ago, comes out and beats him in the first round, Andy, yeah. and you know, really puts a damper on my parlay so uh good job in uh, college baseball and uh, bad job for me in UFC. Yeah, and Lou, I actually asked him that. I'm like, what happened? Because he was he was agreeing with you. Yeah, he liked Arush there, um, but and he gave an r- excellent breakdown of it. Mm-hmm. But he specializes in UFC, yeah, uh, mixed martial arts, and also college World Series, college baseball. Wow. How could you not be in from Omaha? Yeah, let's so do it. So I I got him on two of his strengths there. He also hosts Bout Business <clears throat> podcast that's all mixed martial arts. Yeah, mostly UFC. So uh, some really good stuff coming up in the next couple of segments. So, should we take a minute to recognize one of our fabulous partners? Let's do it. That is the Nebraska Brewing Company. World class in every glass. You actually found... Some pickle fight. The pickle fight. Yeah. What we've been enjoying here tonight. Um, was that in Lincoln? Yeah, Lincoln. A yeah, Lincoln, nice. uh, couple of the uh, um, liquor stores that I frequently go to, High V and, uh, you know, uh, Casey's, yep. will have pickle fights. So run out there. Bless best Bloody Mary beer on the market. No it is the best pickle fight. Go pick it up. Yeah, and it's not too overwhelming either. If no. you just want a pickled flavored beer with just that subtle hint there, I mean, it's a little more than that. Yeah. Uh, but I love that pickled awesome. briny flavor. So there you go. World class in every glass. That is the Nebraska Brewing Company. Don't go anywhere, folks. This is WTL.
And welcome back to WTL, everybody. Where's the line? Nebraska's first and only sports betting show. We got a special guest, as we promised in the first segment, Lou Lewis Vinicaro, based out of Las Vegas. Lou, thank you for being on board with us. Absolutely love your About Business podcast. I listen to it all the time now. Well, first of all, Andy, thanks so much for having me on. Uh, we just happened to be in the sweet spot between the UFC College World Series uh, as well. Hockey playoffs just ended, so it's a good time of the year, and I'm tickled to be on and share some thoughts with you. Hey, and, and you spent some time in Omaha, right? I'm uh, born and raised in Omaha, went to high school there, and then uh, spent some time after college working for my father in the wine business. Uh, but I've lived actually in Phoenix now for the last 22 years. And Phoenix is about a four hour drive, about the same from Omaha to Kansas City. And mm -hmm. so I'm there quite often, uh, you know, five, eight, 12 times a year. It's an easy uh, spiritual drive and it's all desert and there's never weather. I hate to say that. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah, weather, what's that stuff? <laughs> so um, one of the things with your new website, and we'll talk about that, uh, you really hone in on three, four different sporting events so you don't get stretched too thin when you're coming out with your picks and your analysis. And I appreciate that. Being from Omaha, being from Nebraska, College World Series, we're getting into the thick of it. So I was hoping we could uh, steal some of your time and talk about the CWS. Oh, uh, bring it on. I've been going since I was a kid. I was there uh, for the championship series a couple years ago, and more than likely it'll be next year when I return. All right. Well, let's start with that game one then. Oral Roberts, the big time underdog. The Cinderella story continues. Take it on TCU. That's Friday, one o'clock Central Standard Time on ESPN first pitch. TCU, the minus 165 favorite in this one. Lou, how do you see this one breaking down? Yeah, I see a good game here, but I, I really think that the TCU pedigree pitching and hitting together uh, is going to be a little bit too much for Oral Roberts. I'm not taking anything away from them, but Oral Roberts uh, found their way through Oregon and really a part of the bracket that was not as tough as some of the other sides. And I do think TCU is the more legitimate team. I lean, lean to them in that first game. Yeah, I really do, too. And, I mean, I don't think you can find a, a better one through nine hitting right now as the Horn Frogs. Uh, those bats have come to life here in the, the postseason. And you did have a future out on TCU, didn't you? I do. Uh, uh, people that follow me, we have four futures riding. And in that bracket, we have TCU as well as the next game we'll talk about, Florida and Virginia, where I think the College World Series winner is liable to come from that game. And so uh, the futures were, we were active in the regionals. Each year I get more active in the regionals. The futures come there. And as we get closer, you know, I kind of see how they lay. That said, I'm really prepared today to try and decipher this College World Series for your listeners as it stands right now, not based on a bunch of numbers that were available 10 days ago. We're going to direct it to uh, these these folks listening now, and really, if if you like TCU, I think it's that bracket, TCU, as well as Oral Roberts, Florida, and Virginia, those are the waters you should be fishing in as opposed to the other bracket, and I'm sure we'll get there. 
Well, let's take a minute and talk about Oral Roberts. I had a lot of buddies of mine saying, oh, they look good. They look good. And I thought I was more impressed with Oregon uh, knocking off Vanderbilt, you know, a top tier SEC team. And they were hosting. So I was completely wrong on that. The Golden Eagles got it done. Do they uh, raise any concern taking on the, the Horn Frogs here in Omaha for you? No question about it. Oral Roberts isn't isn't just some mishap. It's a good, solid team. And though they don't really appear on a lot of the metrics that I track, mm-hmm. uh, again, uh, the field at the College World Series changes now and things change, wind dynamics, everything changes based on f- from where these teams played super regionals to Omaha, you're playing in a hole where the wind normally blows in. That's not always the case. And so gorilla ball home run teams are not as much a premium in Omaha's teams that hit doubles and TCU very offensive is a team that makes contact uh, and they do live to some degree by the home run. Yes. Yes, they do. They like to mash. Well, let's move on to the night game there then on Friday. University of Florida, that's one of Jabron's favorites, uh, taking on Virginia. And that's kind of got a hometown feel with the 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 boy from Omaha, O'Brien, the coach, that story. Virginia's a uh, slight underdog, though, heading into this one at a plus 100, I'm seeing. Yeah, that started as Virginia minus 120, Florida minus 110 based on starting pitching. Uh, flow has come Florida's way. I can see that because really we're talking about two powerhouses and we know the structure of the college world series is such as you win those first two games and now you're in rest, easy position. You're skating till Wednesday or Thursday before you have to play again while the other teams beat their brains out, use up all their arms in the losers bracket. So Virginia, Florida is critical game. And O'Connor, the coach, has Omaha ties. He's going to have the the Omaha crowd firmly behind him. That said, the SEC is a power, and they beat up on each other each each year. And the three SEC teams that are here are all liable to win the thing. I will say I, I lean to Virginia in that game, and therefore I lean to them to win the College World Series based on pricing today. Yeah, and, and like you said, it's going to be a little bit of a home uh, home field atmosphere with Virginia, with Coach O'Brien. I've already heard a lot of interviews on local talk radio in the Omaha metro area, so the fans are going to come back out. But it's pretty hard to look past guys like Wyatt Langford, uh, who's you know projected to be a major league all-star once he gets onto the big leagues, and Jack uh, Caglione there for Florida. Just star power across the board. It's going to be a lot of fun. As well as O'Sullivan, a coach that's been there, and he wanted in, I want to say, 17. So, yeah, I, I'm not taking Florida lightly. What I'm willing to say is the winner of that Florida-Virginia game sets themselves up so perfectly for a really deep run. Uh, I I just think, uh, in my opinion, the starting pitcher uh, for Virginia gets a little bit of a lean as well. I track doubles, and the team entering the College World Series, number one on the list, doubles hit, is Virginia, and that's because that coach understands how you have to win in that stadium better than anyone. Now, I'm not taking anything away from Florida and O'Sullivan, but they are a little bit gorilla ball. 
Yeah, yeah. No, that's an excellent point. That's something I haven't really heard of, uh, tracking the doubles. That that makes a lot of sense, especially in that ballpark uh, with the traditional June time wind blowing in, keeping those balls in the park in play. And a Let's huge park at that. It's a huge park. Yeah, it, it really is. It really is. Uh, let's move on to game three, Saturday, the first game on ESPN, one o'clock first pitch, Wake Forest, the number one overall seed, breaking the trend, getting it to Omaha, taking on Stanford. Uh, what a way to win. What a way to beat Texas on that walk-off uh, pop-up. Should have been an out, should have went to extra innings, but give the Cardinal a do. Uh, they pulled it off the one to three game series, but I saw you on Twitter. You were a little critical of how uh, Stanford used some of their pitching, especially in the first couple of games. Well, I don't know that I'm critical of it, but they sure used the kid uh, Matthews uh, to the tune of 151 pitches. And he's just a skinny little string bean athlete that can really hurl. I got nothing but respect for the kid. But I mean, is their goal? I mean, I know their goal was to set themselves up to win the College World Series and watch this kid come back and just be a horse because they're going to need him to. And right now, Wake Forest is a lawnmower and the rest of the College World Series field is grass, okay? And I have to figure as a handicapper, how are we going to beat Wake Forest? And I think there's a logical way to beat Wake Forest. First of all, they come deep, three deep with great pitching, but they're completely gorilla ball home run oriented as experienced against the Alabama game where they hit like nine home runs in a game. Okay, that's all well and good, but if they get a little weather, okay, uh, they're going to have to figure out a way in a tight game how to manufacture a game. And uh, while they haven't lost a series all year, that, that means to me that they're ripe. And who do they get? They get a Stanford team that comes in with momentum. That's the only team that was in Omaha last year. I can't tell you how much premium I put in that. Now, uh, Virginia, they've been there twice in the last three years, Florida twice in the last three years. But the other team that's also been there twice in the last three years, the Stanford Cardinal. I'm going a long way as to saying I'm taking Stanford in that first game Saturday as a huge underdog. Uh, The uh, Wake Forest open minus 190. Now, if you look, they're minus 210. And by the time the game comes, they're going to be minus 230. I'm going to sit back and wait. I'm going to take Stanford because I think they're live and I think they can pull the rug out from Wake Forest in game one. I, I like that. I like that a lot. That's that's where your value plays at. And it makes a lot of sense. They have the experience being the only team returning back to Omaha. How about that game for this one's got it all. LSU. Tennessee. I know early on you're saying, man, I like Tennessee. I think they're on a mission. Tennessee comes in as an underdog, not big time, but plus 145 I'm looking at for this six o'clock uh, first pitch on ESPN Saturday night against LSU. So Andy, I got to tread lightly here because my oldest son, Vince, who lives in Omaha is an LSU graduate. Okay. So I got to tiptoe a little here. Uh, I paid a whole, you know, four and a half years of tuition there. So, yeah, we got some LSU in our heart and nothing is better than the College World Series, except if you have the College World Series with LSU in it, then it becomes even better. Baton Rouge is a very Omaha-like town. Jump, uh, uh, people will come up here to, to scour that game and flip the coin. Two right. SEC teams, I can't tell you who I lean to, but I think that's going to be a whale of a game, as you indicate. 
Yeah, I think it will be too. And, and you can't look past, you know, LSU, they're known for their bats traditionally. But, man, I really like their pitching staff and what they've been able to do this season. They're three deep. They're strong. Um, they're going to be a tough out. But as you mentioned, Tennessee, I, you can't poke too many holes in Tennessee's uh, staff or uh, starting lineup either. Yeah, I would say that if Tennessee can get to the LSU bullpen, that's what has been a problem for them during the regular season. But it's been a strength for them in the postseason. So we'll see. There you go. Well, you heard the horn there, Lou. So we're up against it. But could we get you back to talk a little UFC fight night? Anytime. I'm I'm totally into it. Whenever we want to go, let's do it. Fantastic. You heard it, folks. Don't go anywhere. This is WTL. And welcome back, everybody, to WTL, Where's the Line? Nebraska's first and only sports betting show. We got him back in the studio. That is Lou Vinicaro of the Bout Business Podcast. And, Lou, we're getting into your wheelhouse here. That is UFC Fight Night. And we got a good card coming up here back at the Apex, back in Las Vegas. Um, But you have another fight. Uh, a little lower on the card here that you maybe want to take a first look at. Lou, thanks for joining us once again, and let's get into it. Andy, thanks again for having me on. This is great to share insight with my fellow Nebraskans as I'm a uh, Omaha by birth, and uh, I'll always be. So uh, in the main card of the prelims, There's a couple 135-pound fighters that are competing, but I think in this fight, one guy's kind of ascending and improving, uh, and the other guy has been there, and he's fought some great people. But at 36 years old, not only is he old to be a fighter, but a 135-pound fighter that relies so much on legs and cardio, uh, 36 is really a little older than that. Uh, He's Brazilian, Ronnie Barcelos. He is the favorite in the fight, uh, minus 220, maybe minus 215, and he should be. He's been in with better. He's a dynamic fighter, and on his day, he's the better fighter here. However, at 36 years old, he's taken wear and tear. He's lost three of his last four. Meanwhile, on the other side of the octagon is Miles Johns. He's won three of his last four, albeit lesser competition, but Mm -hmm. the momentum and the stepping stone is bringing him into this fight with momentum, focus, and surely the opportunity to gain a pelt like Barcelos for Miles Johns puts him right outside the top 15 in a really stacked bantamweight division. So uh, whenever I look for an underdog in the UFC, I'm trying to find a young um, man or woman, a young athlete, who I believe is prepared to give us their absolute best on that night. And I think Johns is in a position to give me his best effort. And against a 36-year-old guy that's an old warrior, I think I'm going to favor Johns. He's currently plus 185 to plus 195. And I think he's a live dog in uh, the UFC event this Saturday at the Apex. And that's what Gibran goes to, my, my partner, 
Uh, he talks about how Dana White tries to set the table for these young bucks to climb the ladder and get their opportunity. And a lot of times you see it this way, where it's a younger guy taking on an established fighter that has some age on him. And that that age factor, that kind of has you right raising an eyebrow in this one, does it? Uh, it, it does in any fight. I'll surely age as well as how I project the fight to be their statistical advantages for greater than two inches of reach in a stand-up fight, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but age and size surely matter as, where, as well as wear and tear. But you have to take each one as on its own. It's hard to throw a blanket uh, on anything. And, right. and But I will say, the time has come where, unfortunately, we do have to look at the situation. Is this fight in Ireland, and is the young Irish lass getting a favorable matchup? This is now having to start to come into the handicapping process of the UFC. Uh, it's Is it good or bad? I don't give a hoot whether it's good or bad. It's just a fact, and therefore I have to undertake that due diligence in order to try and gain my advantage. So uh, with that in mind, I, I'm going off script here a little bit, Lou, but but hang in there with me. Last week, we talked about that Oliveira and Derouche fight, and I was very curious what your thoughts were. So after we recorded, I listened about business, and you had the same thoughts as we did. We like Derouche. What happened there with Oliveira just jumping out and ending it with authority in round one? Uh, here's how I'll answer that. Uh, <laughs> sometimes, uh, as I just explained, I'm looking for an athlete to be able to give their best on any particular night. I, mm -hmm. I planned on that with three different fighters on that card. Builder was one who went out and completely spit up on himself. The other one was Miranda Maverick, who went blind for one of the rounds but really got outfought. And the third was Dariush. And so yeah. those are uh, indications to me that I need to reset and, and get back to my core foundation. Uh, I'll never change trying to anticipate how the fighter is going to come to the ring and offer us their best. But yeah. I, I really was on Oliveira most of the week and it, it, it was late information that took me off and I'm disappointed that I did it. But when you do what I do and I lay my business out in front of everyone to see all my results are public and posted, then, you know, there's no running around it. You make a bad decision, then you have to improve. Just like a fighter goes out there and isn't all there and has a bad night, you got to recover. Or you can go home and curl up and cry to your mommy, but that you don't get to be a 64-year-old handicapper doing that. That doesn't sound like the Omaha way to me whatsoever. That's right. <laughs> oh, boy, from home. Well, let's move on to the main event, number three contender in the middleweight uh, weight class. That's Marvin Vittatore taking on the number four contender, Jared Cannonier. I know Jabron loves both of these fighters. Cannonier is a slight underdog at a plus 145. I'm looking at a minus 165 here for Vittatore. Lou, how do you see this one breaking down? Well, uh, first of all, Andy, uh, I'm, I have to say that currently I'm looking at a DraftKings screen, and that fight is now lined Vittori minus 115, Cannoneer minus 105. Uh, what you uh, gave out there is reflective of how this fight was opened. And so you can see there's been money that's come in on Cannoneer, and I expect – 
uh, as we get closer to fight time, the money might come back to Vittori a little bit, but I'm not really here to predict where the money goes. I'm here to try and predict how the fight will work. And as I see this fight working, I, I see Cannoneer, uh, who, oh, by the way, trains in Phoenix's MMA lab just up the street. And that's a location where I go constantly to learn and improve my own uh, skills, not by exercising or fighting in BJJ, but watching the pros compete and being able to ask questions and learn. So I'm close with that, Jim. And I and I think that Cannoneer has distinct advantages here, despite the fact that he's 39 and Vittori's 29. That's a substantial age difference. Cannoneer has fought at heavyweight, light heavyweight, now middleweight. And at middleweight, he's fast. He's extremely powerful. And he's got a granite beard because he's been able to feel the power of the heavier guys. And 85 doesn't translate. Now, he gets a guy in Vittori that's a bully, uh, a temperamental Italian. Not all of us are, but Vittori is. And uh, Vittori is going to want to just bull rush uh, Cannoneer into the fence and try and maul him, make it ugly. And I think what's going to happen is Cannoneer is going to use his feet, use his technical ability, keep Vittori on the outside coming in a little like the matador and the bull. And he's going to sharpshoot at him, shooting counters as he comes in. I think once Vittori, who's stubborn, gets a taste of the Cannoneer power, all of a sudden Vittori's going to revert to his wrestling, and that's what Cannoneer is preparing for, I think. So this fight really, to me, looks like it goes four or five rounds. Vittori has got a thick cranium. He's not going to go anywhere. But I think Cannoneer can outpoint him by using his feet, his technical abilities, his striking advantage. And I think this is a good spot for Cannoneer. And at minus 105 or better, I, I think that's where I would land on this. And I think that's probably where I'll land on this. Yeah, so you think this one could go the, you know, there's so many different lines that open up closer to, to fight night, closer to the bell ringing. Um, would you like one of those where you're betting on it going the distance? Or do you think one of these bullies, as you put it, uh, might get the knockout, might get the submission early? I, I, I don't. I, I, I think Cannoneer could catch him, but I don't plan on that. You know, rather, uh, I'm, I'm just seeing it. They're putting out fight method. And so I'm racing to see Cannoneer currently via decision is a plus 330. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where I'd go. Now, Cannoneer by KO, TKO, or DQ, meaning knocking him out, is, minus, is plus 225. So it's priced less than the decision. I don't see it that way. I see Cannoneer decision at plus 330. Uh, Boy, it'd be hard for me not to have a little half unit there besides some kind of half unit on Cannoneer as well. I like that. I like that a lot. That's why we got you on the show, Lou. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. Where can folks find you if they're not on WTL and you're one of our guests? Where are you at? Okay, so thank you so much for helping me mention that, Andy. On social, I'm at Gamblu. So Twitter is at Gamblu. Uh, Instagram is Gamblu. Uh, uh, I'm I'm all thumbs on Instagram, though. I'm pretty good on Twitter. But the really single point of focus for me now is the new webpage, www.gamblu.com. And that's where you can go for daily information, daily releases. We just got done with hockey. I'll start talking about College World Series. 
as early as today. Uh, anyone interested or has questions, email is lou at gamblue.com. And of course, each Friday, my Bout Business podcast drops. It's about 16 minutes of just releases for that week's UFC cards. We keep a running total. In fact, so far this year, we're up about nine units running at 11% ROI. So we keep track of everything. We invite you to join in. It's free wherever you get your podcasts. And I sure want to just say thanks again for having me on. Let me visit with all the great folks in Nebraska. Nah, yeah, Lou. We're Nebraska nice. We're especially nice to our own. And I, I got to shoot that right back at you. Uh, thanks for hopping on and sharing some of that knowledge with us. And I have checked out your website. It is sharp. It looks nice. Um, and we mentioned it in the previous segment. You really hone in on only three or four sports. So you're not stretched out trying to talk about horse racing, talk about baseball, talk about, you know, water polo. <laughs> you if really I hone do, in on just your keys. If I do, I bring someone in to do that for me. But it, it, it all modern business is specialization. You narrow focus to increase expertise. If you have a kid and they break their leg, you're not racing them to a dentist or an ear, nose, and throat doctor. You're, <laughs> it, it, they're a doctor, but they're not going to see them. You got to take them to an orthopedic. And so if you're listening to somebody that works every sport, you're listening to the wrong people. That's a fantastic analogy. I'll remember that next time Ozzy breaks his leg. Don't take him to the dentist. <laughs> don't take him to the dentist. Lou, thank you once again. Don't go anywhere, folks. This is WTL. And welcome back, everybody, to WTL. Where's the line? Nebraska's first and only sports betting show. I'm your host, Andy Class, and joined by Jabron. Oh, the parlay. <laughs> you got it. How about that, Lou Vinicaro? Yeah, that was awesome. I mean, yeah, I that mean, guy knows his stuff. He does UFC, and then of course, I I really wanted to hear his thoughts on the CWS, the road to Omaha. Yep, and we and it's finally been paved. We got our eight teams. Yeah, I can't wait. And he was all over. I thought it was interesting how he wants to bet heavy on one side of the bracket, yep. not so much the other. <laughs> Gave a lot of good reasons. Yeah, it's, uh, it's the way to, to do that. it, I guess. Now we're going to shift gears a little bit here, and we're going to talk some NFL futures, some yeah. predicted win totals that have been coming out over the past uh, couple of weeks. Yeah. And we got to start with some local teams, teams that uh, you know a lot of Nebraskans follow. Yeah. Let's start out west with the Denver Broncos. Yeah. And quick shout out to the Nuggets. Yeah. First ever um, franchise championship. championship. Yeah. A uh, cool. team that we followed all year long. Yep. I went out and saw them in Denver. Yep. Uh, yeah. Really, really awesome team. Joker, one of the best players, yep. probably getting his, uh, getting a statue in uh, Jersey hung up there he in should. Denver. So yep. that's really cool. But yeah, let's flip our seasons a little bit from basketball to football. And we're talking about the. Orange Broncos. The Broncos. Yeah. And I don't know where this over-under is coming from with <laughs> eight and a half. Yeah. Um, but that's where they're at. Eight and a half wins. 
Uh, you got to think more people are betting on that under than yeah. the over. I just see so many holes <clears throat> that continue to exist. I know Sean Payton's there, but it's just for me, it's like, well, here's another headline. We got Russell Wilson. Here's your headline. <clears throat> that didn't work. Well, here's the next headline. Here's Sean Payton. This should work. <laughs> I, I just don't know. I, I'm, I feel like I need to see it before I believe it with Denver. Okay. I'll give you a few things, Andy. And I know that you're probably going to disagree with about all of this. Okay. The Denver Broncos, I think, comes into this. <laughs> season as probably the highest variance team that could make the biggest jump. Mm -hmm. They were so bad last year, and it seemed like the the offense just didn't have an identity. And I think they have a coach now. The offensive line's a lot better. They have adequate pass catchers in what appears to be a solid defense. However, as we all know, the biggest X factor on the team is that old guy behind center, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson was one of the most efficient QBs in his time at Seattle. That didn't work out in year one in Denver. Can they turn that around? With Sean Payton, it doesn't really make sense to me, Andy, because the teams that I remember him being very, very good with, it was high octane, offense, octane passing. And every team that Russell Wilson has ever been successful with, it's been run the ball, 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 play action. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, play Mm -hmm. action. And I just don't see. You know, Sean Payton making that switch over to play-action yeah. football when, for for one thing, I don't think Denver has an elite running back like Marshawn Lynch or any of those Seattle no, guys no. that can really take up this mantle. No. So I am hammering that under eight-and-a-half wins. Yeah. I, I'm just saying that the reason that Bronco faithful can be a little bit, you know, you know hopeful is that, you know, they have a pretty, you know, easy schedule – is what I would say, and they have a bye week in the middle of the season yeah. that could really p- propel them. Uh, they still have to play the Chiefs twice. Tw- Chiefs aren't going to lose. Mahomes has never lost a uh, road division game in his career when he starts. Mm-hmm. So uh, mm-hmm. I-, I really think this is going to go under, and uh, the Broncos are going to be scrambling to figure out what they want to do with Russell Wilson at the end of this year. I think your biggest improvement for Denver is their offensive line. Yeah, They've added sure. on to that. That looks good. And yeah. you talk about the receivers, and they are talented. They are fast. They can go up and get a ball. <clears throat> but they had that last year. They did. And you know what happened? Those guys were screaming at Russell Wilson during games Give me on the, the ball. field. Give on me the, the ball. Field. Give me the ball. It was embarrassing. Yeah, it was. It was embarrassing. So uh, I would have to lean towards that under <clears throat> as well with I the just Denver don't see Broncos. them touching the next team that we're going to talk about, yeah. and that is their foes in the AFC West, the Kansas City Chiefs. Yep. 11.5 is the over-under I'm looking at right now, and this is kind of fun because it's right there. There's 17 games now yeah. uh, in the regular season, so either way you can see a path mm-hmm. for the Chiefs to go ahead and get to that 12 wins. It's not going to be easy, but it never is. Uh, I feel like the Chiefs were undersold <clears throat> in a big way last year, they and they were. rose up, and oh, they I think they had an okay year. Yeah. Kind of wrapped up for them fairly yeah. well. I think, yeah, a couple first-team All-Pros, uh, they might have took that Lombardi Trophy home as well. Yeah, yeah. I went up and down this this uh, this schedule, Andy, and I, I think mm-hmm. the Chiefs are the most predictable when it comes to wins and losses. They tend to start fast in September, get bored 
a little bit in October, yeah. Yeah. and then they dominate after the bye week. Patrick Mahomes has 10 losses over 36 games in September and October, then just 6 losses in 44 games in the months of November, wow. December, and yeah. January. Just think about that for a little bit. No, Anybody yeah. would kill for numbers like that. It's crazy. The Chiefs have not lost a divisional road game, like I said, with Mahomes as the starter, and I don't think that that trend doesn't end this season. Not with the way the Chargers yeah. play against the Chiefs, the Raiders with the new system that they're trying yep. to do, and like we just said with the Denver Broncos, Mahomes will not lose to these guys. He just won't let it happen. Uh, the the Chargers, like we said, play their Super Bowl in Arrowhead, and the Bengals get their playoff revenge in Arrowhead. But like th- those were the big those were the big losses that they had last year. I believe that they go over on this. I have a, a final record of thirteen and four. Kansas City Chiefs. I, I like that, and you're even giving me a game to play with there. Yeah. Four out of the last five seasons, they've won 12 or more games. Yeah. Why do I think it's going to slow down now? Yeah. I don't. You don't. I don't at all. <laughs> I think they're going to get to 12, 13, 14, whatever they, yep. they're they're going to cover that. I agree. Um, and and it's just kind of, it's turned into like kind of a repetitive, almost boring story. It's like, yeah, Patrick Holmes is that good. <laughs> He's he can, good. He can underhand a touchdown pass. He can sidearm a touchdown. It doesn't matter. The I guy wish can I had a quarterback on my team that could throw an overhand, <laughs> and this guy's diving out of bounds, throwing it behind his head, throwing it underhand. So, yeah, no, he's Crazy. pretty good, and their tight end is pretty good as well. Should we head up north? North Sucka. The northeast portion of the state of Nebraska, pretty much the entire north half of Nebraska, yeah. really gets behind the old Minnesota they bleed Vikings. purple. Yes, they do. The purple people eaters. And they have an interesting over-under here yeah. at eight and a half. Yeah. And we've talked to this. Uh, remember Jeremy Odom? For sure. Uh, with the Right Way uh, Sports Network? Um, <clears throat> I know he thinks this is a very gettable over. Yeah. I might think about him. Where do you land on this? Yeah. Just the one thing I want to kind of lay out, Andy, is the NFC North is going to be much more competitive this year, I think. Despite the fact that the conference as a whole seems more wide open than it's ever been because of the departure of Aaron Rodgers, I just didn't see the Vikings get a whole lot better this offseason, Andy. I saw them get rid of one of their best players of you know recent years, Dalvin Cook mm-hmm. and Adam yep. Thielen. Those are two huge pieces of the Minnesota yep. Vikings when you think of them in the last five, ten, five to ten years. Blind, you know the the biggest thing that they brought in mm-hmm. was their defensive coordinator Brian Flores. But considering all the defensive departures and the lack of draft capital the Vikings used on the defensive end, I'm not sure they have enough to run this Flores style defense with these players that they have Mm. on this side of the ball. I I believe that Jordan Addison was a great pick in the first round, but he's undersized and may have a bit of, you know, a learning curve in the NFL. Sure. Um, So I I really think that I looked at this I looked at this roster and I think it's gonna be seven wins for the Minnesota Vikings this year. Jabron, (laughs) you ignorant schmuck. There we go. There is no way that Uh, th- this team, what, won 12 games last year. Yep. There's no way that they're four games, five games worse <clears> than that. I feel like they got better at receiver. You already mentioned how they used the draft with that Addison kid. Yep. Uh, Thielen was old. He lost a step, maybe a step and a half. Uh, Dalvin Cook, he's an old running back. What is that worth in the NFL? <laughs> I Not don't think he's long. old, Not but yeah. Long. In, in NFL standards, the guy's a grandpa. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I'm, I'm laying it on kind of thick You here. are. Uh, but... He, he is a running back, okay, <laughs> yeah. and he's got great speed, but he's had injuries and all those things. And if there's one thing that I, I will get behind, it is Kurt Cousins. He will just do yeah. what he needs to do to win nine games. I think winning nine games for Kurt Cousins 
that's money in the bank. I'm looking at the Bears like, why why do I have any faith in the Bears? <laughs> well, you know, I'm a Bears, I'm a Bears fan, but yeah. like, okay, we got a young quarterback that could be good. <laughs> no, don't yeah, don't yeah. don't give me it, that. It does look like Kirk Cousins at this point in time is the best quarterback in the NFC North. Yeah. Uh he is. you know, probably he is. fighting for that top spot with Jared Goff. Jordan Mark. Love, you getting on the love train here? <laughs> no, I'm definitely no way. not touching the Green Bay Packers. Here. But let like you, you just brought him up. We got a little bit of time. Let's touch on the Chicago Bears. What do you, uh, what are you thinking with your the Bears? Oh, seven, seven and, and a half, half wins is where the line is. Oh, that's right on. Yeah. Um, uh, I would like to say over. Yeah. Um, my heart says over, but my head says under. There's still way too many questions. I know they tried to address the offensive line, and they should. Yeah. Uh, with the draft, I love their draft and that big kid out, no out of Tennessee, the left tackle. That was the way to do it. Yeah, it really is. Um, but you still, you know, you're talking about losing Dalvin Cook. Well, at least the Vikings had somebody to lose. The Bears <laughs> had a running back, yeah. receiver. Mooney is their number one receiver. Like, uh, no, you are wrong. DJ Moore. Okay, is you're right. You're right. The best receiver in the yep. NFC North right yep. now. Yep. Okay. I'm even giving it to him over Justin Jefferson. Yep. This Panther is going to come in, and w- the Bears are going to win yeah. eight games this year. They're going to okay. go eight and nine. The Bears are about to start the season off with a bang, hosting their bitter rivals oh, at like Soldier Field. The Green Bay Packers with quarterback Jordan Love's first start. I think the Chicago Bears really get off to a really good start and tail off at the end of the year here. I do believe over seven and a half wins, Andy, is a very good lock for the Chicago Bears because this team, yeah. if they get on a run, Andy, with the with the amount of you know variance there is in the NFC North right now, mm-hmm. and the amount of talent and young players that the Bears have, it could go either way. It could go you know, let's pack it in for the year. Yeah. We, you know, this is another year that we're going to have four wins. Or mm-hmm. they could surprise everybody and come out and have a winning season. So yeah. I know that you being a Bears fan, it's hard to get behind them and stuff. But I really like this. I really like this kid, Justin mm-hmm. Fields, and I've liked what yeah. I've seen out of him. It just beat now, the 49ers last year. Beat the 49ers. Beat the 49ers last yeah. year. And now that he does have some great pieces around him, can he make the next step? With uh, with an emerging defense in Chicago, I really think mm. this is a make or break year, especially for mm. Justin Fields. Never have I heard you say something so dumb. Yeah, then totally redeemed. Yeah, let's go. All right, fine. Give me the Bears. I, you go got over. The, you got the fandom out of me. I do like Fields. I do like what they do with the offensive line and that DJ Moore accusation that slipped my mind. Let's go. He is he is a difference maker. Never got the love that he deserved uh, down in, in Carolina. Carolina. Yeah, well, like why is Carolina just getting rid of? <laughs> yeah, we got Adam Thielen. Okay. Uh, no, uh, yeah, no. DJ Moore with his stats right now yeah. is the leading receiver in Bears history. So that's just a little yeah. nugget for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So well, that'll about do it for us this week on WTL. Be sure to follow us on ESPN Tri Cities Radio and their Facebook page, other social medium. Uh, we're on Twitter. Yeah, uh, Twitter account is growing like our YouTube channel. That yeah. has been a lot Jump of fun. On that. Getting that video out there, that's just a, a growing market. People that like to just sit down and watch their podcast. Yeah. Plus, we make those short videos, add some video to it, add some music to it, make it a lot of fun, like yeah. you said. You also got those free picks coming out on TikTok yep. each and every single week. So check us out over there. Just search WTL Sports Betting. Yep. You'll find We'll come us. right up. For Joe Braun, the par lay pounder. I'm Andy Klassen. Thank you for listening. This has been WTL. L.